I'm wearing this jersey because I will never, ever get to experience what it means to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I'm living vicariously through the Patriots, apparently. Um, thank you for being here. We're excited for what God has today. Um, uh, today, uh, two years ago, was our first service. So we made it two years. Yay. Two years. Wow. I remember coming that morning really early because I didn't really know what to expect or what to do. Um, and then uh, we had service, and it was just like, oh, it worked. We did it once. And then the next week came. And the next week, and then it's two years already. It's crazy what God has done. Um, we are in this new series today. is called Stretched. And we really feel that God has asked us to stretch and anchor and prepare for the things that he has for us, not only individually, but as a church. So we are talking out of Isaiah 54, and I'm going to read that real quick, and then we're going to pray. Does that sound good? Woo. All right, why don't you close your eyes and just listen to the words, uh, the word of God, as I read it off the screen here. It says this, it says, Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are your children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. Do You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will, not for, you will forget the shame of your youth and re remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Father, we thank you today that we believe that you have something great for each of us this year, that you are going to do more than we've experienced in other parts of our lives, and that you've asked us to stretch and anchor, to open up and prepare for the, the life that you have for us more and more, stepping into your will. So God, we just want uh, more of you today. We ask for your presence to continue to speak and to move in this place and in these people. And we love you. And we praise you, Jesus. We pray that Tom Brady would lose the Super Bowl. Let it be so. Amen. <laughs> it's my only opportunity to pray for that, so I had to. So two years ago, we started, and it's been a pretty wild two years. For us, um, we, we, uh, have just been, it's just been such a joy to serve and to be part of this body and to be friends and family with all of you. And if you're new with us or you've been coming for a while, uh, just know that this is really the joy of our lives, and we just are so honored to do this. And I, I was thinking back to the, the, some of the great... Um, like some of the memories over these first two years, and, and I thought of a couple really good ones, like baptizing in Tina's pool, which we like to do, um, doing baptism there. And I remember my son had green hair, and I got to baptize him. And then when we baptized him, the green went into the pool. <gasps> I said, it was all your sin, just going into the filter. Um, and I remember, and, or, or when we baptized Casey and some of the other, some kids at Horsetooth, that was awesome. And when we've done patio nights and uh, s'mores and things like that, um, and ultimately coming together and gathering each week. Uh, someone asked me about what it means to be a pastor, and I say it's about, not necessarily about a single day, but it's about a long-haul journey with people. That we believe the life of Christ is to be lived out together, and it's less about just experiencing the, less, the next mountaintop and the next experience and the next emotional response, but it's about living the day in and day out with people who call Jesus, their Savior, and their friend. So what an honor it is to serve with you guys. We love you so much. We can move on. So we're going to talk about what it means to be stretched. We are really believing that God is preparing us for something profound and deep that we believe our mission 
to connect this community that we live in to the Christ that we love. He's going to do more and more of that this year, not just in our service, but ultimately what happens in the community every week. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little more practically about what it means to stretch and prepare. Right? How do I, we've been saying this, how do I prepare for something that is coming, right? Like if we have, we're having people over for the Super Bowl, so we're preparing. I got wings, they're marinating, oh, they're going to be good, right? I can set up some extra chairs, make sure the TV works, we're good to go, right? There's preparation involved because if God, if you were ready for what God has for you today, you would already have it, right? Because God does not withhold because he's just teasing you or he's rude, but if, he, if you were ready for what God has for you, he would have it. So he's asking us as people, individually and corporately, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our lives, to stretch, to make room for what he has for us. So we're going to talk about that this month. This month, we're, today, we're going to talk about what it means to stretch our faith. Next week, don't miss it. I think it's going to be good for me to hear. Um, we're going to talk about what it means to stretch our time, because the time is the most expensive thing you have. Uh, then we're going to talk about what it means to stretch your goals and your prayers, and then what it means to stretch your influence. So every Sunday, better show up. It's going to be awesome. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, let's read it together out loud, if we can, with gumption. Okay, let's read it together. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So Hebrews chapter 11, if you know about the Bible, is called the faith chapter in the Bible. And there's, there, it goes through the story of people of, of the ancients or people of faith way before Christ, um, starting with Noah and, and Enoch and uh, Cain and Abel and then going all the way to today. And so uh, this chapter, go read it this week. It's pretty cool. If you want to like learn about the Bible, it's a great way to like cliff note it. You know, like, sweet, I know the Bible because I read that chapter, you know, good call. Um, <laughs> So read, so read it. It's great. But the, today we're talking about what it means to stretch your faith. And the word faith is an interesting thing because I think we talk about faith in terms of this kind of mystical, uh, unknowing, unseeing thing. Well, I just have faith. I have no proof. I have no, I have no basis by which I think something or believe something. I just have faith. Right? I know that all, all these things might say that that's not true, but I have faith that it's true and it's blind and it's ignorant. Right? I think in so many ways that's how we've seen faith or way the Christian community has seen faith. Anybody? Right? Like, I just have faith. I don't care what I think is, what you think is true. I have faith in this. That's not ultimately what faith is. So we're going to talk today about what is faith. It says now that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So faith is, like the word faith actually means a conviction of belief. A conviction of what you believe. That faith is not just this blind thing, like, oh yeah, there's a God, and he's out there, and we just blindly follow it without any type of conviction or depth. It's just part of what we do. That's not what faith is. Faith is a conviction of belief that, listen, I believe this. This is a core of who I am. This is not just this thing that I grew up in or this culture that I was a part of because I happened to be born here or there or in this decade or that decade. It is a conviction of my heart and my life. Like faith is, is hope, it's confidence in what we hope for, that I believe that Jesus came and he died and he rose again and is alive and he is coming back again someday. And I believe it not just because it's something that fits in my worldview or something that fits in the way I was brought up or something that fits because it makes me feel comfortable, but it's something that I've experienced and it's something I have conviction about, right? Faith is not blind. 
It's confidence in what we do not see because we don't tangibly see Jesus here. Unless you do, then let me know and then you can preach the rest of the service, okay? It's confidence in what we hope for. It's a conviction of our heart. It's an assurance of what is unseen. That word, assurance of, the, of unseen, means proof in that which was tested. Proof in what is tested and tried. I've, I've had, like, talks and debates or conversations with people, like, well, what about this, and what about that, and what about this, and what about the earth, how old is it, and what about Noah, did it flood the whole earth, what about this? And, and like, there's not answers for some of those things. Anybody? Right? Like you find as many people who think the earth is 5 million years and are followers of Jesus and love Jesus to 100 billion years to 6,000 years. You find people in all those camps, right? You find people that think that Noah flooded the whole earth. We think, some people think it just flooded a region. Okay. You know, if you bank your faith on that, you're banking on the wrong things. And, and I, I tell people like, oh, that's great. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's try to let's think about what it could be. But ultimately, what I know is I know what God has done in my life. I know that I have connected with the Savior of the world, that he has spoken into my mind and my heart, and he has led me into places I wouldn't have normally went. And he's been faithful. He's been so faithful as we sit here two years later. As we sit here and we try to do this thing that he's asked us to be, my faith is not a construct of my culture. My faith is not something I just believe. Yeah, that sounds cool. Jesus died for my sins. Great. It is something that I have has been proven over time and tested over time in my life. That there's a God that loves me. There might be days where I'm like, where is that guy? What's going on with that? But I have faith because it's tested and it's a conviction of my heart. And the problem with cultural Christianity is we've chosen to believe cultural things about God, and we haven't let things become proven convictions that I will stand on and die for. And that's what God is asking us to have faith. Not in conservative evangelical Christianity, or in just social justice Christianity, or cultural Americanized Christianity that is so comfy and so safe. And not bad, always. But he's asked us, man, you have to have a conviction of your heart. See, faith is not just belief. It is conviction of something that's tested and tried. That I might not have all the answers to how it all works, but I can tell you what God has done in my life and in my heart. Like, yeah, you, you know, you might, you might not believe that. That's totally cool if you don't believe that. But I'll just say what God's done in my life, and this is why I stand on this. That's why I give my life to this. And this is why us, individually and corporately, we have to let these things become convictions of our life. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about, about, um, about uh, centering Christ in your life, that Christ is the center, that everything else revolves around that. And, and that becomes a conviction, right? I, when I was 19 or 20 and I'm trying to do, figure out life and I didn't know what I was going to do and, and I was just lost and then finally I was just like, okay, I'm just going to kind of give up and let God have me, however you would need to say that. And uh, it became a conviction, not that day. It was a belief but it became a conviction because over time, God has proved himself over and over and over. And he's provided over and over and over. And he has shown up in ways that I did not expect. He's provided in ways that I did not deserve. And he's done things that I did not see coming. And that's why I believe it. 
That's why I have faith in it. So what does this mean for us? This might seem kind of elementary. Yeah, we have faith, of course. Moving on, right? But it's really crucial and it's really important for us to stretch with not just belief in things that we've been taught and told and heard and seen, but in things that we've experienced with God. That God is a person. He's, a, he's alive. He speaks to our, the hearts of people. And he does that in different ways for different people. It doesn't have to be like audible voice guy. And if it is, you know, good for you. Um, we, get, we talk about that. But it's probably through lots of things. You know, it's through just like knowing. It's through his word. It's through, it's through the whisper. It's through the, the, the day-to-day life of experiencing him. So what I think God is going to ask of us this year is for us to expand our faith convictions, right? To expand the convictions of what we believe about God. So I think sometimes we build our faith on things that maybe aren't the most important things. Anybody? Right? Like I knew someone was like, he would fight all day long that creation was 6,000 years old, you know? And that, it might be, I don't know. I don't think so, but just, just deal with that later. Um, he was just, oh, if you don't believe that, then what, what if you don't believe this in the Bible and that in the Bible? It just makes everything shaky. I'm like, really? It's really important for us this year, if we're going to prepare our hearts for what God has, is to build our faith convictions on top of Christ as the chief cornerstone of our faith. And then we build on that. Some of you in here, in my, in, in my life at times, I've, had, I've questioned certain aspects of God. Well, what about this? What about that? What about this? Some people have struggled with the Bible. Like, how, is that, how does that work? Is that true always? What about this cultural thing that doesn't make sense? Or, you know, what about were the dinosaurs? You know? like, yeah, these, these are things that continue to seek God on, continue to define what it means to you. But ultimately, we have to build our, our faith on the right things. I think the right things we build our, our faith on, first and foremost, is the resurrection of Jesus. That's number one. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're wasting our time. Right? And then he just taught this incredibly profound teaching for three years and, and did so many incredible things for the world that transformed the world. But if he is not risen and if he is not coming again, then it is not worth our time. The first thing, that Jesus is alive and he's coming again and he loves us. He knows your name and my name, and he knows our hearts. He knows what he's put in our lives, and that's what we build on. Number one, right? Build on that. Then I think we build, not just on that, we build that not only is Christ resurrected, but he died for me, he saved me, he set me free. Are you going to live forgiven and set free? Or are you going to live in the past Are you going to live in the reproach of your widowhood and the things that were lost and the things that you are disappointed in? Are you going to live in today that I am the child of God, forgiven and set free? And then we got to build on that to I am called by God with purpose and passion to go and to make disciples of all people, to go and love people, to serve people, that my job is an ambassador, as a representative of Jesus Christ to this world at your office, at your workplace, at your coffee shop, and your campus. That is, should be one of the main convictions. And in our life, in our culture, even the way I grew up, it was like, you do all these things, make sure you don't sin, and if you didn't sin, then you were so good today, way to go, God loves you more. And then if you didn't sin the next day, but if you sin, you're back to zero. That stinks. It's like, no, Christ is risen. He's the cornerstone. I am forgiven and set free, called for a purpose, and now I'm going to be intricately involved in the transformation of this world, in the kingdom of God coming to this earth and to people around me. 
And so you might have to build, rebuild your faith this year. You might have to expand the way you see God to be like, all right, first of all, I really, really believe that Christ is central to my life, that he deserves my life, that he deserves my prayers, that he, des- that he deserves everything that I can give. Because he died for me, because he forgave me, regardless of what I do today or forever, I'm forgiven and set free. Do I really believe that I've been called and I've been asked by him to be involved in the restoration of this world? Or do I believe that the world's just going downhill and we're just going to hunker down until Jesus comes back? That's not the gospel. Or do I believe, am I indifferent to the plight of this world? Or am I so focused on trying to be holy and try to put on the show and build my kingdom and my empire that I have forgotten that I'm supposed to bring his kingdom to earth and build that? And I think God wants to do in all of us a rebuilding, a reconstruction of our faith and what we value. That no longer will you say, like, oh, I think, I think I'm, I'm in with this Jesus thing. You'll be able to say this year that, you know, no, he is my savior and my friend. He is alive and in, involved in my life. I might not have all the answers to things. I might not be able to build my basis of my faith on whether Noah flooded the earth or not, right? Well, Noah didn't. He had a hose. You know, he flooded the earth. You get it. I might not be able to build my faith on things that I think culturally we've tried to build our live faith on. But I'm going to build my faith on the things that really, really matter. That really matter. So, I think God is going to ask you to rebuild, to seek God for your life decisions, to give above and beyond what you usually give, to invite people to the life and family of Christ, that everyone has created potential and value and worth. So you might have to build. You might have to reconstruct. I think the longer I've been in church, the more I've needed to reconstruct my faith, right? Because what happens when you, when you sometimes are in the same place for, the same, for a long period of time with the same thinking people in the same culture is you all start thinking the same. And it's hard sometimes for God to, when everyone thinks the same, for God to be like, yeah, but what about, what about, what about when you're just kind of in this little bubble of happiness? So I think some of us will have to, some of us have been on the fence about this whole Jesus thing. Or like, yeah, I think he's good. I'm into this thing. But how the heck am I going to start to share the things that he's done in my life? How the heck am I going to start to live so I, like I am free and forgiven? And that's a, that's, that is a road. But some of us have this skyscraper of ideals. And I think God wants to kind of topple that down to the basis to reconstruct what you, it really matters most. This is not a criticism or a critique on anyone's faith. This is what's happened in my life over the years and continues to happen, is I ask more and more, more than anything, I ask, do I really believe that? Do you know that's like one of my biggest prayers right now? God, do I really think that? Is this really what you say, or is this what I've been told, or is this what I've expected, or this, this is the articles and the books I read all say, or do I really believe that? And that might make you real uneasy. We're not heretics. Just deal with it. But I think God's going to call us to a reconstructing. To maybe a dismantling of what we think we believe and a rebuilding of who God is to us. And that's not this like subjective, whatever you believe is fine, however you feel is fine, because that's not ultimately true. But God is going to re-show himself to people. The beauty, I was talking to my friend, a friend this week, and we were talking about the mystery of God. 
I think, I think he used that term, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Do we still live with faith that is a little bit mysterious? That this God is beyond my mindset and beyond my, my construct of life? It is, he is like above and beyond all. He is all. And so he, do I live in this mystery of, man, maybe God is this. Maybe I can experience this And I think the reason why you struggle with step two of being free and forgiven is because you have this construct of God that isn't actually God. If you've been involved in the life of Christ for a long time and you still deal with guilt and shame, then there's something that's been built in your life that is not the life of Jesus. If you still think that unless you do X or Y or Z or read this much or pray that much that you are not approved and loved by him, then you've built in some aspect of your construct that that is not what Jesus says. If you really are indifferent towards the plight of the poor and those who are less than those, less than these, if you care little about what's happening in the community beyond what happens in your home, then you do not have not built on the life of Jesus. If you would not sit around tables with people that think way different than you and believe way different than you because you don't want to be known as something, then you are not constructing your faith around the life of Jesus. So my prayer for you is that your faith will collapse in some ways. That's such a bad pastoral thing to say. (laughs) Because I don't know, I've lived in my life too long in faith uh, ideals that are not standing up, that are not modeling the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we just all believe whatever we want, everything's fine and okay, because obviously that's not true, right? But it's like, it means that we're going to rethink. We're going to re-put in on the basis of Jesus, right? Jesus is the cornerstone, and we're going to build from there. And I think if we do it, there's more freedom If we do that, we are more excited to share who this God is. We're more excited to listen to people that think differently. We're more excited to see the barista that that is having a bad day. We're more excited because we get to be a part of what God is doing. And so this year and starting today, we're going to stretch our faith individually. And I want you to ask yourself as you seek God in your life, as you pray and read the word and serve and talk in your groups and with brothers and sisters, I want you to rethink And ask, God, is this really what you say and do? And that might be so scary for some of you. I'm not saying you're all heretics and believe bad things, but but what I want, my prayer, my heart desire is that I would just believe and live with the convictions of Christ only. I had a pastor I really respect say, as you get older in faith, your job is not to know and grow more. It's to look into the mirror more and let God show you what needs to be made in his image. It's to look in the mirror and be like, uh, that part of me isn't very loving. And that part of me doesn't create a heart that is there and engaged with my family. And this part of me isn't really making me love my enemies. And this part of me is just not really making me excited about this day. So I, I think God's going to ask us to rebuild. Are we doing okay? Okay. So how are you going to build and expand your faith? I remember one time I was building a fire, and we were in California with my brother-in-law, and we were building this fire. 
And I was like, let me build this fire. So I got, I did the log cabin fire. You guys know the log cabin, you know? I'm more of a teepee guy, but we did log cabin that time. And so you get the kindling on the bottom, and then I was like building this fire. I was like, oh my gosh, it was awesome. And it was like so perfect. It was like perfect, you know, four levels high and a little kindling in the middle. And I started the fire, and it just kept dying over and over. And my fire looked so good. And then one of the friends came over and was like, whoa, Host, nice fire there. <laughs> Which for a man, if you feel like you can't build a fire, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> can't even build a fire. It's like, the, it's like our carnal instincts, right? Just fire good. <laughs> and so what did I have to do? I had to take off my beautiful log cabin and get the kindling right and actually get some, you know, a little bit of shavings and a little bit of wood, and we started the fire there. And once that got going, then we built the log cabin level one. Then we built log cabin. And then after a while, it was like, whew, right? And I think many of us have built our faith like that, that we forgot maybe about putting Christ central always. What he says is the way we live. And then we've built levels of log cabin that will never start on fire. That will never be attractive to a world that's lost and hurting. That will never, ever be inviting to people that think and act and look differently than us. So Haas, we might need to rebuild that fire. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Then we're going to, oh gosh, we got to go. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Now, therefore, since you and I are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for the dwelling place of the Spirit of God, so we are no longer foreigners. You are no longer, uh, you know, outside the family. But we are fellow citizens in this life and household of Christ. And we have to rebuild our, listen to the verbiage, our chief cornerstone is Christ, and we build together. See, I think a lot of times we've been trying in faith life to build skyscrapers. Like, look at me. I posted this on Instagram. I know all these things. I had my Bible, my coffee perfect on that picture. It was so good. Hashtag blessed, you know? <laughs> you know, or I can speak it great on stage and I can make it sound how committed I am, but then when I'm at home or I'm when at work, how committed am I? And I think we've like tried to build skyscrapers individually. Look at this Titan of faith I am. And God doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to build communities. Yes, it's not to be people who are like, I am so strong in faith, I wish you were too. But we are a community of people. We're meant to build cities. That each person, together, living out the fire of their convictions for Christ, are a city, are a place where people can come and dwell and be at home and be part of the household of God. So the call today is that we would be, we would rebuild a little bit. Now, it may be scary, but it's okay. We're here for you. We're all doing it. And then we're going to do it not so that we can, oh, I, now I got it all figured out. Now I can have all the answers. Now I can debate really well on Facebook. And now I can make my, my political thing make sense scripturally. Look what I did. Because that's not the point of it all. 
The point is that we get to be the life and love of Jesus to this city. That individually and collectively, we get to love people well. Do you guys want to come up? We get to take communion today, which is a good thing to do today as everyone gets up to do their job. Good job, everybody. <laughs> I will say, uh, two years, uh, you know, you don't really know. When we moved here, we knew five people, and it was mostly us and Tina. Um, and, uh, you know, we prayed for just really great people, faithful people. And, man, you guys are, like, the most faithful, serving, loving, giving people we could ever ask for. I'm just, like, blown away. I mean, most of you were dealing with Mark, but it's fine. Um, no, that guy, amazing. But real, um, <laughs> you can't backtrack from that, can you? Um, no, but we, just, just uh, the, the, the wealth of people that serve and the wealth of give, it's so profound. So I think the call of say, saying all that and the call for this next year is that we would just continue to grow and press into who God wants us to be. That we will be a people that together connect the community to Christ. That we will be a people that together are honest about our struggles, honest about our where we're we rebuilding, honest about our stresses and our human nature, because that's okay. That we'll be honest about our anxiety and our depression and our fear. We'll be honest about our helplessness and how we don't really know how to parent, honestly, or how to be husbands and wives. We're just working on it and trying to do it together. That we would be people that owned this mission together. That just as much as I believe I'm here to connect the community Christ, you believe that. And when you go out, you believe it as much as I do. Because it's a we situation that we're rebuilding our faith. We're stretching our faith together. And you believe it as much as I do. That we are people that are, are different, but we're fitted together with Jesus at the center. Because Jesus loves to work with people that are way different, but he's at the center. He loves that. That we are going to together be a people that serves this community and is an extension of Christ. So my prayer for all of us this week is that we would start being honest with ourselves about Christ. Are you in the center? Are you that little, are you the kindling that keeps everything going? Are you the, are you the coals that will always burn? It's built on that and his, in the resurrection of Christ. And then it is it built on that I'm forgiven and I'm set free. That no longer does my past just define me. No longer do I live out of the regret disappointments of what I've experienced, but I live in the now of being called and set free by Jesus. And then I, do I take this vision and mission seriously, that this is the mission of my life to love and serve people like Christ. Whether I do that as an engineer or as a pastor, as a salesperson, as a teacher, as a college student, whatever you do that as, that is what I do. And that's the conviction in my heart. So we're going to take uh, communion today as an opportunity to reposition our hearts around Christ, what he did for us. And if you don't have to be like a member of our church to take communion, um, we, I believe that every person on this earth is invited to the Lord's Supper, is invited to experience the body of Christ that was beaten for us and the blood that was shed for us so that we could be forgiven and set free. Every single person is invited to that. Amen. And the more broken you feel is the more you should experience his supper. The more distant you feel is the more that you should experience this today. 
So I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And just take some time to think, where do I need to shift? Where do I need to rebuild? And we'll pass the elements. So Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for this beautiful day and the opportunity to serve you. And as we take the cup and the bread, God, I pray that it would be, uh, maybe we've done it a thousand times, but we haven't done that for a while, but God, it would be refreshing to remember that you are the, the chief cornerstone. You are the, the central part of our life. You, your love, your life, your death, your resurrection. And so we remember that now. We love you, Jesus. So once you get the elements, just hang on to them. We'll take them together, okay? Why don't you sing with us?